What's going on guys and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I just wanted to do an intro piece here because today I am talking with a good friend, Alexis Collins, all about The Biggest Loser. And if you guys don't know what The Biggest Loser is, it is a reality TV show. I believe that it played on NBC where contestants basically are in a battle to lose the most amount of weight. And this is done in a population that is just more morbidly obese, and they have a set time frame, um, coaches to work with them as well. And we kind of talk about what we see go wrong when it comes to The Biggest Loser and how they could improve the show. If you guys don't know this, The Biggest Loser, they lose vast amounts of weight, like we're talking hundreds of pounds in a very short period of time. And we talk about the effects that that can have on your body. So I hope that you guys tune in and enjoy today's episode. And again, don't forget to give Beyond the Bikini Radio a rating and review. That's the only way that we grow here on iTunes. And it's also 100% free for you guys to do that. And then don't forget to tag me here on Instagram at Nicole Fairy Fitness to show me that you are loving Beyond the Bikini Radio. Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini Podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I have my friend here, Alexis Fitco on Instagram, or also known as Alexis Collins. I'm super excited to have you on today. You are like a repeat guest, but this time around, you are studying to become a registered dietitian. Yes, I am. It's been a long time coming, figuring out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, but I finally figured it out. (laughs) I feel like you always had undertones of like wanting to do something more of nutrition. Um, So I feel like it was always like there. You just weren't sure when was the right time. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I knew graduate school was definitely in the books for me. So I was just really happy to finally like get into a program and do something that I'm loving right now. I'm really loving it. Yeah. And you've been working more with like people, um, virtually now with like their training and nutrition. And, um, you know, this made me think about how, when a lot of people start their weight loss journey, they start watching like TV shows and start comparing. And I'll never forget when you showed on your Instagram story, the biggest loser. And I'm like, Oh, this show is very interesting. Um, but tell me a little bit more about like why you feel passionate to, you know, help others with their training and nutrition and also why you feel like the biggest loser like stuck out to you. Yeah. Um, well, I think it comes down to people make training and nutrition more complicated than, than it needs to be. And I want to teach people that it doesn't have to be that hard. Like we don't have to be taking all these supplements and doing all this hit cardio and restricting ourselves to like get this perfect ideal body that even when we get, it's not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then that kind of sparks, you know, what they do on the biggest loser, where they take these people who are just in the biggest run of their lives. They're just mentally, physically beaten down. And I think we can all relate to that being at like ground zero or the bottom. And they kind of use their story 
as a way to get you involved in what they're going to do on this show. And I just think that the, the extreme tactics that they use in this show is something that people end up glamorizing and think that they need to do for themselves when they just don't. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. And I think what made the show really take off is unfortunately here in the U.S. we have an obesity problem. Um, I know that majority of my family members are not just obese, but like morbidly obese. And I think that they see these people who, you know, resonate with them. They look kind of like them and then they see them, you know, drop a significant amount of weight and that they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But they don't realize how dangerous the tactics that they were using. Um, and also just like, let alone the name, like the biggest loser. Like I'll never forget when I first started watching the show, I was like, that doesn't seem like cool. Like they could have like called it like weight loss makeover show. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like the biggest loser. Um, it's kind of a harsh name. Or even just like regain your health or like maybe get your life back, something like that. Because I get it. These people are in such a crisis when they come to the show. And you even see it when, when the doctors pull them all in and tell them, you know, you're on the brink of diabetes. You have type 2 diabetes. You're, you have heart disease. Your cholesterol is high. And they get this giant rundown of everything that's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just those extreme tactics that they use. Like, it, it can be super relatable for a lot of people. And they see this as, like, their answer. Yeah, and I think it's funny because you're like, call it regain your health. And I'm like, well, <laughs> they couldn't call it that because then they'd be hypocritical to a lot of these people. So let's go into like a couple cons that we saw in, you know, The Biggest Loser and like red flags that you think a lot of people would overlook. Um, the first thing I would say is the, the initial weight loss that all the clients have or all the contestants have they drop, you know, upwards 10, 15. I've even seen some of the, the bigger men on that show drop upwards of like 21 pounds in the first week. Mm -hmm. And I think people see that and, and they think, oh my gosh, so if I just do all these insane workouts and throw up every day and eat next to nothing, I can lose 20 pounds in a week. Mm -hmm. And it's not fat loss, it's weight loss, which includes more than just fat. It includes water and salt and glycogen depletion and that's never talked about on the show whatsoever they never they just call it weight loss and it is what it is so that's probably the first thing that people need to recognize is that it's not just all fat yeah and i wish that instead of them just stepping on a scale that they could do like some sort of like underwater weighing or like dexa scan like you know that's probably going to be a lot of money but it's a freaking reality tv show so i'm sure <laughs> that they could afford it I think that would be cooler to see, um, especially like as it progresses to like see like, oh, they're losing muscle. Like, you know what I mean? Where they're like not necessarily losing good weight, like, you know, the fat tissue that they want. I think that could have been really insightful and like a good twist to do, you know, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because it's not, it's not all about just weight loss. It's more so what, what fat percentage are we losing? Because that's where we're going to see the biggest health gains with something like this. Mm -hmm. And you talked about like the throwing up in the workouts. I get so frustrated when I see, it always seems like they have like the nice trainer and then like the mean hardcore trainer. Like that's like what their go-to was for like years. And Jillian Michaels was always the bad trainer, which really like made me mad because 
I feel like there wasn't a lot of females in the industry and a lot of people gave her a bad name. And I had to, you know, listen to like a podcast that she did and it's really insightful, you know, like she has to sign contracts. She almost like has to do the, what she was doing in order to stay on the show, even though it wasn't her core values. And, you know, she eventually left the show, but I don't know. What were your thoughts there? Yeah, she, I mean, they portrayed her as a scary trainer. Like, even when I was watching her, I was like, wow, I would never be like that. I would never do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But she really broke down the people. And like, that's kind of where you can find your personal motivation is when you get broken down. So I understand why she did some of the things that she did. Um, but I got to think that like the show was pushing her to be an extreme because mm -hmm. Bob wasn't as extreme as she was, you know, and they kind of were like a yin and a yang when it came into the trainers. But I mean, she, she knew what she was doing and she like still knows what she's doing. It's just, yeah. I think they made her push people a little harder than she should have. Yeah. Um, she talked about like fighting with the doctors too, and some of the things there, which was interesting, but, um, I, I, I like Jillian. I know a lot of people don't like her, but I think that she's done a lot for the industry. Um, do I feel like everybody has their own like style to training? Yeah. Hers is obviously very high intensity based. Is that my jam? No, but mm -hmm. it worked for her. Um, and I feel like she's definitely helped a good majority of people. Yeah, and I think another cool thing about Jillian is even if you don't like her, you've kind of seen her transition and change and grow with the industry and become something different. Mm -hmm. And even just listening to that most recent podcast that she was on, um, it sounded like she's taken a turn more towards wellness and overall health and well-being versus just weight loss, which mm -hmm. is what we kind of saw her in The Biggest Loser as. Mm -hmm. For the workouts, um, I will say I saw a lot of just interesting challenges. I mean, I feel like that was just more so for the show, but also just a lot of plyo, high intensity nonsense that just wasn't needed and was honestly really dangerous. I think that's why we saw a lot of people, you know, having some injuries and also like throwing up in a workout. Like you don't need to be throwing up in a workout. Um, you know, that's obviously your body telling you you're doing too much and as a trainer, you know, if I ever had a client throw up, I would not feel proud and I would not feel like they were weak. Um, I would feel like I was negligent for yeah. training. So what were your thoughts on that style of training that you saw? And like, what were some of those movements that you saw that was like wrong? Well, specifically some of the movements were like, I would say all the plyos. There's no reason why they need to be doing box jumps and like jumping lunges and even burpees, like people with who are that large can't really move their knees up in that kind of fashion and even that mm -hmm. fast. I have a hard time with some of those movements. Like I can barely do a high box jump and mm -hmm. that can bring up a lot of anxiety too for people. Like box jumping is kind of scary if you're approaching something like that. And that's another reason why they were probably throwing up is because they were so nervous to do a lot of these workouts. And that, what that does to these people is it scares them and they don't want to work out anymore. And so you get these people that definitely need movement and exercise, but now you're making them do shit they don't want to do. And now they're going to be scared to do it again. So now they're associating workouts with fear 
And that's not what we want. We want to associate workouts with happy movement for my body. This feels good. Let's do it again. But the plyos, some of like the hit sprints that they do on the treadmills, those challenges too, like some of those are just uh, I mean, if if I were there, I'd put my foot down and be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's so, like, effed up, too, and they're like, last workout, and you can tell they're just, like, grinding super hard in the gym, and I'm like, this is kind of triggering, you know, before mm-hmm. weigh-in, work out really hard, do more cardio, do as much as possible, and, like, that's, like, really messed up to make that correlation for them to, like, do all that, and who knows, they're probably, like, wearing sauna suits to try to sweat out as much water as possible so they would weigh less that next day um but i agree i mean all the plyos are not needed like you don't need to be doing plyos unless you're an athlete um yeah that's like literally the only person i can think of who needs to be doing plyos i think that it would be cool to see more spin biking and more swimming and then just like more traditional resistance training and just like teaching these people how to get stronger I think would be a better approach. Yeah, I think if they were doing more resistance training and weightlifting, I think, especially for some of the males, they'd probably fall back in love with training again. And for the females, they'd probably realize that they were stronger than they didn't know that they could be. Mm-hmm. And it could just be an empowering tool. And I saw, I'm recalling this most recent Biggest Loser season that was on. They had this thing where they had to flip, it was a, um, it was one of those challenges that they had to do and they had to flip tires in the mud. And so the tires would fill up with muddy water and they had to flip these tires that already weigh 150 pounds. And I'm like, why is this a challenge? Like they're going to break their backs. They're going to step in a muddy hole and break their ankles. Someone could drown like this and it, but it's all for ratings because it looks dope and people want to see other people struggle. It's like a survivor, <laughs> except for yeah. it's not like survivor with people who are more, um, you know, in physical shape. And I, I use that term lightly because obviously a lot of those people weren't, you know, although they looked like they were in shape, they weren't. But, um, you know, these see people in survivor get hurt all the time. You see people in Biggest Loser get hurt all the time. Um, these reality TV shows must have a lot of great insurance because I think a lot of the things that they do, again, are negligent and can lead to injury and they're just not needed. Yeah. There was, um, one girl or one woman on the most recent episode or season two that she, I think she rolled her ankle or broke her ankle. And so she was in a cast for like the majority of the show and she, like was in a boot and so she had to modify all of her workouts and do like upper body training only and she ended up losing weight doing that and I was like this is the perfect example to show you that when you can take a break from all this intense training that she was put under and then she breaks her leg you know and now she can finally like rest she dropped six pounds that week yeah I'm like yeah no duh you dropped weight because you finally were able to like give your body a break from all the intensity yeah, and like inflammation drop. I wonder if they even get rest days. Not once have I heard any of them saying like, "Today's a rest day." <laughs> yeah, no. They from one of the episode podcasts that I listen to, they wake up, and what you don't see is they wake up and they do two hours of training on their own. Then they go back to the ranch and eat breakfast, which is, I mean, here's another topic: what they're eating. They um they eat like a hard boiled egg, a piece of fruit 
and like some turkey or something. So they're not adequately fueling their body. And then they go back into the gym for another two hours. Then they do a challenge and then they do an hour of cardio at night. So they're doing like five hours of training every day. It's like and, bikini prep on crack. Yeah, like that's like we don't even do that for prep. Like, are you kidding me? They're yeah. training like professional athletes, like football players. And I that's wonder, not how I wonder if anyone like struggles with like a binge episode and they just don't record it. Like, because how could you just like I, I mean, I don't think it's very ethical to like lock up the fridge and say, okay, food's done. But I wonder if people struggle with that and they just don't get out on camera. Yeah, I don't think that they even have access to their food, like, that's, after a while. I think, <laughs> I know, like, you're going to lock up food? That's not okay. Yeah. Um, I, like, I think in the earlier seasons, they were doing, like, these temptation challenges. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that, where, like, yeah. they'd walk in and there'd be tables of food, of just all the stuff they used to eat, like, pizza, donuts, breadsticks, candy brownies like everything and they would say like whoever eats the most gets a two pound advantage in the next weigh-in but you're probably going to gain weight from eating all this food and these some people would go to town and just eat all this food and some people wouldn't and I understand the concept behind giving them this temptation but rewarding it is not okay yeah it's like, like, I think if, if you just set it up as a practice thing to see, like, how do you feel around this food? Is this triggering for you? And, and just taking it from a mental aspect versus rewarding them for either doing it or not doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that instead of just having a doctor to talk about, like, diabetes and the physical type thing, it's like they should have had, like, a therapist who talk about, like, okay, well, when did you turn to food for comfort? Or when did you turn to food after, you know, you got abused or this or that, like, you know, because everybody in that show and everybody just in life in general has been through some sort of adversity. Um, and I think asking them those uncomfortable questions would have been better than just like, you're going to die of diabetes. Like I got people in my family who, you know, they have diabetes and honestly, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's sad too. I have, um, I have an uncle who has to wear a, um, like a sleep apnea machine at night. And mm -hmm. My mom is like currently struggling with her cholesterol and blood pressure and and she's like, so my doctor is like, I might have to go on meds. And I'm like, mom, that's not the answer. The yeah. answer isn't medication. Like how lazy can you be if you're not going to like make, do steps to eradicate these issues? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they definitely need better counseling on the show and, and they need they should just extend it to make it more of like nutrition and workouts and psychology and then set them free because you see so many of these people go into like the real world after the show and they gain everything back because the issue wasn't physical. And I tell so many of my, my clients, this is like, the issue is not physical. The issue is your habits and your relationship with food and your relationship with your body. Like that's why you're at where you're currently um, it's not because of, you know, the ice cream in your freezer right now. Yeah. And the sad part is they won't make it a longer show for, you know, like legality reasons or contract reasons and stuff like that. And, and they want it to be, you know, like eye opening and dramatic and all this, but 
if they did make it longer and they did highlight the importance of this, I think this show could actually be really beneficial for everybody who watches it. And mm-hmm. people could actually learn more from the show than just seeing it as purely entertainment. Mm-hmm. Let alone, I mean, these people on the show, you know, they can win money. What is it, like a hundred grand? I think it was, actually, I think, I almost want to say it was like a quarter mil in the beginning. And now it bumped down to a hundred grand. And I think the at-home prize is 50K. Okay. So, yeah, there's incentives behind it all, too. Yeah, which, I mean... Some people too like really need money. So like they'll push themselves even harder. And like we even seen like really dramatic changes. Like um Rachel, I forgot what season she was in, but she was like an, an ex-swimmer and she lost so much weight that when she showed up for like finals, like she took herself from looking unhealthy in an overweight manner to looking unhealthy in an underweight manner. Mm-hmm. which just goes to show you that health isn't a size yeah so yeah you can be unhealthy and heavy and you can be unhealthy and really small so it's just just goes both ways yeah she lost 155 pounds in seven months which is crazy like that's basically 10 pounds a week it's so it's like gross you know it's just too much. It's not healthy. So it's, it's no wonder why these contestants regain most of their weight back afterwards because they weren't taught anything. They were just hamsters in a wheel given the food they needed to eat and the workouts they needed to do. And that was it. They didn't really learn much from it. Mm-hmm. This is kind of an issue I see too of like fitness industry of people who are only willing to follow meal plans and not apply themselves because after that sort of approach, like they don't know what to do. Yeah, like what did you learn from this meal plan other than these are the only foods you can eat because that's not sustainable. You definitely need to learn something from whatever program you're going to be in, whatever coach you're going to have. You have to learn something. You have to get something out of it that you can use for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And like with The Biggest Loser, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people didn't sustain the weight loss, but it just goes to show again, like it has to be a health change. Like you have to change your habits and they could have developed it so much better to like cover how to make healthier habits instead of just like focusing on a lot of just disordered eating things. And, you know, they probably didn't know that they were doing that, but again, like with the food temptations or like the last chance workout, like I, I honestly, I feel like a lot of these people got set up to have an eating disorder. Um, And I wish that there was a study to like show how many contestants have like binge eating or maybe like exercise bulimia um, to some degree. Yeah, they've, they definitely do things in that show that don't set them up for success. I know um, one of the contestants too from, I think it was the season one winner, he would do like crazy things before the finale, like, and he'd starve himself and he'd sit in the sauna for hours and sweatsuits. And, and then after he won the show within that first week after winning, he regained like 30 plus pounds. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you've just been restricting yourself and starving yourself for so long. Of course, you're going to regain all that weight, but that's not, that's not the healthy way to do any of it. And it's, they're so driven by that winning mentality and winning that money 
that they just end up ruining their bodies and their health for that. That people need to stop praising extreme weight loss when they know it's been done unhealthily too. And that's mm-hmm. even why, like, when I prep for shows, and if someone's like, oh my gosh, you look amazing, like, even when, like, 2019, I was like, yeah, like, I can't maintain this. Like, I just, like, stopped, like, acknowledging it, like, saying, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I just, like, got to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is for a stage. Yeah, I can't maintain this. Yep, thanks. But, you know, it's really hard. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, like, stopped cookie cutter, like, cookie, not cookie cutter, um, sugar coating it, same sweets, kind of. <laughs> Um, and like a lot of people have told me, they're like, I appreciate that you're not sugarcoating everything because I see a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm eating 900 calories a day. I feel great getting ready for prep. Like, I'm like, you don't feel great. Like, stop lying. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that a lot of people need to open their eyes and realize that some of these people too, on like their Instagram feed who do seem to go through like extreme body transformations, like do your research and you should really look up to someone who embodies health for like a lifestyle goal. Stop yeah. looking at like bikini competitors for like your end goals. Yeah, that's not an end goal to have. I'll tell you that. I, I remember being in prep and I'd go to the gym and I mean, it looks dope to be that lean and see all the, see all your muscle definition and everything. And I, I would have women tell me how amazing I looked. And I said, thank you, but I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, really? But you look so good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm so tired. I don't want to be here. I, yeah. I'm so, t- did I tell you I'm really tired? <laughs> and it was like, it just, it's just not a way to live. So definitely like, like I said, learning how to do this in a healthy way is sustainable for the long term. And, yeah. and I know that in the, in the latest season, I keep referring back to the latest season because I feel like I just watched it, but um, when they, <laughs> yeah, because Steve Cook was in it, and I was like, all right, I gotta watch this, and an Instagram famous person's on the show now, and I was actually, I was kind of mad that he was on it, I'm like, really, I feel like he's a sellout going on this show, because I know how bad, and like, what they do, he just worked with, like, Lane Norton, too, and it's almost like, did you learn anything, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are you doing this, um, but I, but so in the most recent season, when they send the contestants home or when they get, when they lose and they go home, they get sent home with, I think like a year gym membership with a personal trainer and a nutritionist. So that was something new. So I was like, okay, so they're trying to make this teachable and sustainable afterwards, which is good. Um, but yeah, I was just like, thinking about all the things that they do and then Steve Cook was joining in on this I'm like is he gonna like give them water pills and like make them take diuretics and stuff like is he gonna be that kind of trainer I really hope not I hope he's here to change it yeah so it'll be interesting to see how the show evolves I honestly don't even know about like the drug use so like I've definitely heard from contestants that you know they were encouraged to do drugs like you know cocaine to help them lose weight um and water pills and stuff but Mm -hmm. That's obviously very dangerous too. And I honestly see that in the bodybuilding industry space too. I mean, not cocaine, yeah. but like, you know, other fat burners like ephedra um, or like clenbuterol, which are uh, illegal and but people get their hands on them and use them. Yeah, I heard um, that Jillian Michaels was giving her contestants fat burners, like her team, she was giving um, maybe even her line of fat burners. I don't know, but and she probably could have just been calling them fat burners. Like, who knows what they really were? Oh, yeah. To get them to lose too, the weight. They're looked at as a person of authority, you know, 
and then you get like nervous to question them because you almost feel like they're gonna make you feel stupid yeah which yeah. is unfortunate oh well I um I mean I do think it's good that you know now that they have like a trainer after this the show's over and the nutritionist but I really wish that they had a therapist too <laughs> yeah access to a therapist on the show I've heard that they have dietitians on staff like on the show but they don't have access to them that's so yeah it's like I think they're just there to like set up their meal plans and stuff but they don't actually have access to learn anything about what they're even eating mm -hmm. and I know that like that's that's the biggest thing when you get out of that show is like knowing what to do with your food because yeah. if you have no idea you're just gonna go consume the quickest thing you can get your hands on which is fast food which is you know the standard American westernized diet that we're in well, I had one guy who, and I forgot his name, but he said that he went back home and was only eating like 1,500 calories a day, but he kept gaining weight. And, you know, that's like a pure red flag that we have some hormonal damage. Um, and they probably never, ever tell them about reverse dieting, which, you know, will you gain some weight with reverse dieting? Probably. Um, but you're not going to gain, hopefully, you know, all your weight back like a lot of these contestants are. If you're yeah. gaining weight on such low calories, especially as like a male who's like, you know, I'm assuming taller than five, six, that, that's an issue. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, like when we diet for shows, we slowly decrease over time. And that's why we, that's why it takes like 22 weeks, 25 weeks to diet for these shows. But they go from, I mean, I've heard that if, if they know they're going to the ranch, they gorge themselves on food before they get there mm -hmm. because they know they can't have this food ever again while they're there. So they gorge themselves on this food, probably consuming upwards of five or 6,000 calories. And then they get to the ranch and they're fed like 1500. Mm -hmm. Like that range is just asinine. Probably for like the yeah. people. Yeah. It's just crazy. So, and then that's another reason why they lose so much weight the first week is because they went from 6,000 to 1500 and they just drop that water weight so quick, but then, but then that's not sustainable, and no wonder why they're starving when they get out of the show, they're like, I've been depleted for so long, my body never had time to adjust to this decrease, mm -hmm. so yeah, I want to go back to eating all the food that I used to. Yeah, so, so I had no intentions to even bring up bikini prep, but a lot of this is just making me think of like a bikini prep too, with a lot of the similar things I see with competitors like stuffing their face before they start prep and then they're in prep and then once they're done they're like oh well I'm done so they aren't able to mentally keep those restrictions up because they're exhausted mentally if that makes sense yeah and it's I mean it's similar because they're two extremes they're pretty much the same extreme like just hardcore dieting like no moderation all this exercise all for this one end goal of winning the show or winning on stage it's I mean it's very similar it's just obviously the the bodies look different mm -hmm, for sure the yeah. other thing too is like your body will have a healthy maintenance point and I'll tell you it's not going to be obese um and it's not going to be underweight either um and even if you're you know with a healthy weight if your body fat percentage is super low it's not that either, even 
even if you think it is. So I think striving to find a, a healthy place to where your weight maintains to where you can go out to eat on occasion and like still maintain that weight and you feel good and your energy's high and you have satiety cues and all that, like that's a good sign that you're in a good place, not, you know, striving to be a certain weight. Yeah, your size definitely doesn't define how healthy you are. It can when you get to a certain point, but even then, like if you are severely overweight or in a very large body and you do lose even 10, 15 pounds, that can help a lot. Like we mm -hmm. can see really good numbers with cholesterol and inflammatory markers and blood pressure. Like you can make progress just with the first 10, 15 pounds. It doesn't have to be a hundred pound weight loss in five months. Like it can be slow and sustainable and you can still be healthy. Like yeah. we saw that Lizzo just made um, that TikTok about how she's like, my size is what I want it to be. And you guys should worry about your own selves. And I just thought it was great. She's, she's a larger body woman, but she still moves. She's still active. Yeah, she eats what like she wants in moderation. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I hate jump roping. Um, but that, I mean, that is a good, a good thing. And I like to see that. Like I, I'm never, I, you never know someone's true demons and struggles too. So like, I try not to even like label anybody. And unfortunately I see a lot of people who are like Lizzo's size who are like running or like, you know, doing the, the body weight exercises, the body weight exercises that she was doing. And like, then she'll get hated on. It's like, just stop. Like, don't comment anything negative. Like you should just be happy that they're wanting to move and do something. And that's why so many overweight people are scared to go to the gym in the first place because they feel like they're going to be judged. But I always use the analogy of like, you know, doctors don't make fun of sick people in the hospital. So nobody's going to make fun of you if you're overweight in the gym. And if they are, they're just an asshole. Yeah. When I see what I would call someone like a heavier person in the gym, I like in my, in my head, I'm like, you go girl or you do that, you know, or like, can I help you in any way? Like, I'm just like, so it motivates me seeing people that genuinely want to do something better for themselves. And I'm just like, that's amazing. I just see it as amazing. I don't ever, I can't even imagine making fun of someone because they're trying to better themselves. Yeah. It shows a lot about someone's own character. If you feel the need to, you know, make a negative comment. And yeah, I, I mean, as someone who's been in an industry, you've been, you know, training in person too before like not once I'm assuming in your head you're like oh like you shouldn't be here like if anything I'm like that's awesome that you're here and you're wanting to learn how can I help you like that's how majority of the people are going to be yeah and I've had some pretty overweight clients that I trained in person when I was working at back in the day when it was called Bally Total Fitness <laughs> it's not that anymore but um I actually remember seeing like, I, I would try and almost mentally take notes of what they were doing on The Biggest Loser with these people. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to do that and make my clients throw up. That shouldn't be the goal. Mm -hmm. So I would just take my clients, like we would do laps. We would sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. We would raise our arms, put them back down. Like even just these slow movements that get their heart rate up, that makes them feel good and want to come back. Yeah. It, like it can be as simple as that. And when they tell you that they're too sore to where they can't move right the next day, then I'm like, okay, we did too much. Let's go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I'll never forget one of my clients who was a male and he was, you know, definitely like on the heavier side, but he was so much fun to train because like he, he didn't mind like trying anything. And like, that's what I liked. Like he wasn't one to fight me like, Oh, I can't do that. Or, I can't do this or that. And he was just like, he'd literally do anything. Um, and he didn't care. So that was like awesome. Yeah. That's a good mindset to have for sure. Yeah. But any other like closing thoughts on like the biggest loser or like any, anything that's on your mind there? Um, I had one thing that I was thinking about when, you know, you, you see the clients or the contestants jump on the scale, the numbers ticking, and then it shows that they only lost five pounds in a week and they get depressed about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, in, in the real world, five pounds in a week is almost too much. <laughs> but so it's like, I, I don't like the idea of sending them home with that thought that five pounds wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. I get it. You didn't win. But that's, that's why going back to what you said, they need therapy after this to understand that they are still worthy to continue this journey. Mm-hmm. Five pounds is amazing. Three pounds is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, no pounds is amazing if you feel better at the end of the week. Yeah, my biggest uh, thing that I'll tell my clients, and this is actually a big issue, is, oh, I, I feel like I didn't progress fast enough. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, and they'll, they'll like lose like a pound and a half. They're like, I feel like I should be here. And I'm like, can you stop looking at this like timeline of where you think you need to be? Because that timeline doesn't exist. And also you didn't acknowledge the fact that you're down, you know, a pound and a half and you were consistent. Like you have to look at the big picture. Um, and even if you're down a half pound or even if you maintained, but you're consistent and you focus on maybe taking a rest day and taking care of yourself more, like that's still a win. Like you can't just be looking at like, oh, I only lost five pounds. Like I'm, I must be a failure. Like you're not failing. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, like losing any weight per week is great. And that's why it's super important to take an average weigh in for the week and not just do one for the week, because that could have been your highest day and you wouldn't know because you didn't take other numbers. Yeah. I think consistency is probably one of the biggest wins a client can have. It's just being like, even though I may not have lost weight or, or I don't look the way I want to look yet, I was consistent this week because I know how hard it is to be consistent. I've struggled with that too. And so consistency and then practicing moderation is like, those are some big wins. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, if you're, if you're not consistent and you're expecting change, like you got to fix that first and then expect the change to happen because it's also going to be hard as someone who does coach, like, it's hard for me to make changes when I don't see consistency because we have to focus on the lifestyle changes first to help you get consistent before we can, you know, make any changes because your macros, although you might think that they're magical numbers, like they're just numbers at the end of the day. So like you still have to work, you still have to, you know, drink your water and sleep and take care of yourself and, you know, eat whole foods. And some people neglect that. Yep. There's so much more than just your macros. (laughs) Or just hiring someone and expecting them to do the work for you. Yep. But, all right. Well, I feel like this was a good episode. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Um, And then Alexis, where can people find you or anyone that you like work with that you might want to shout out? Um, So I am like right now exclusively on Instagram. 
and you um, shouted out my handle earlier. It's at Alexis underscore Fitco. Um, and I am doing macro consults for people if they want to understand how much food they need to be eating to fuel just their bodies and their goals. And then I can do follow-up consults. Um, so mainly just one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. Perfect. And yeah. you're also getting, you know, a little bit more experience too with like group coaching too, right? Yeah, I'm um, kind of like a secondary coach with uh, Sarah Manns. She's at the Fitness Lioness. She's doing a summer shred program and I'm one of her coaches under that. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. But as of right now, I have five clients um, under that challenge group right now. Very cool. Well, all of your information yeah. will be down below in the description. And thank you again. Thank you. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one -on -one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one -on -one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym, with your relationship with food, and how I can help you reach your goals.